I agree with you. In fact, I commend you for doing that because it takes guts and it was really brave of you to do that. So I definitely think like a pat on the back for doing so. Um, but I do know that like a lot of girls, they don't do it because they are scared of being demanding. Assalamu alaikum sisters and welcome to Real Muslima Talk. I'm your host, Um Abdurrahman, and on this podcast, we'll pull back the curtains, take down the barriers and have raw, insightful and honest conversations on living as a Muslima in our modern society. We'll discuss everything from spirituality to mental health, from marriage to growth and much, much more. So sit back, relax, grab yourself a coffee and let's have a heart to heart here on Real Muslima Talk. If you enjoy the podcast, head over to our Instagram page at Real Muslima Talk and join the conversation. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. I hope all the viewers are doing well. Uh, today I'm joined by my dear guest, Saliha, yet again uh, to discuss on this episode, inshallah, um, marriage, the actual nikah, and then moving in with uh, your husband or the family. And then, inshallah, if we have time to touch up on dealing with in laws. Um, because I know that, of course, you know, sometimes that happens, you know, people have to deal with that. So uh, let's get straight into it. Tell us, uh, Saliha, you were basically at this stage, you had agreed that this man was the one. Uh, and how did it then go ahead? And how did the marriage all work out? Okay, so Yes, from the few online interactions that we had had, uh, I was quite sure. However, we had both kind of told each other that if until we've not met in person, we're not going to make a final decision. At the back of my mind, I kind of knew because I had already done my istikhara and everything. Um, but like I said, I just wanted to be sure. And, you know, it's always different when you meet in person uh, than yeah. when you meet behind a screen so um alhamdulillah i flew down with my father and uh, i met the family um i met him and uh you know we had uh, a meeting in person and then once that was done by the end of that meeting we had decided that no inshallah we'd like to now go ahead with the next step so um i went back and i told my father and he was like okay don't you want to have one more meeting in person we're here for a few more days so why don't you meet one more time before you decide so at this point I had said to him look I've made up my mind and I'm not really planning on going back to London with like no halal contract basically mm -hmm. like I want the nikah done so then he was like oh no we're gonna have to think about this and sleep on it and what have you but alhamdulillah, my in-laws, they were really, really supportive. And uh, my father deeply respects them. So anything that they say, you know, he would have been like, yes, yes, of course. So alhamdulillah, with them uh, kind of, uh, you know, being on our side, should I say, then my dad was kind of calm and he was like, okay, fine, you know, but now uh, do you really want to go ahead and stuff like that? So yeah, alhamdulillah, it went ahead and um, we got married. It was really sudden. It was really unconventional. Um, but yeah, we did it. Wow, mashallah. So you were brave enough to literally go ahead with the decision. Uh, mm -hmm. That was 
Yeah, that's very unconventional. Especially like you said, you came with your dad, so the rest of mm-hmm. your family were in the UK, right? So were you not worried about like having not having your mom, your brothers, and your family with? Because yeah, I know so- you know what happens traditionally with weddings, like. People mm-hmm. need to arrange like, you know, the perfect date where everyone can attend and it can be mm-hmm. like a really big, nice celebration where everyone is involved. Mm-hmm. So I think from a young age, um, whenever I had attended weddings or whenever I could hear families discussing, the family discussing weddings and things like that, I'd always see how much stress there'd be and there'd always be a drama. I don't know like if, if this yeah. is the case for you, but in my family and amongst my relatives, when there's a wedding, there's, there's going to be some drama. And this is something that I was like, this is not going to happen when I get married. Like I am going to get married so quickly. You guys just watch. And I'd say things like this to them and they'd never believe me. And I don't think they realized how serious I was until I actually went ahead and did it. And it just so happened. I feel like because Allah knew that my intentions were clear, he actually made it work out like that. Uh, That was like Mm. the first thing. The second thing is that just generally speaking, I'm just a really spontaneous person. And I know that with decisions like this, you shouldn't be spontaneous. But the thing is, I obviously did ensure that this would like, this is the right person for me, inshallah, by asking all the questions and, you know, having all those online interactions. And then I knew that like, bismillah, I think, and then when we finally met in person as well, I knew, and then like my istikhara was there. So then for me, it was like, okay, let's just go ahead and do it. Because a lot yeah. of the times what can happen is like shaitan can get in the way. And then like, I would have gone back and then like, we could have ended up, for example, talking more than necessary, or we could have ended up like being engaged and then the engagement could have been broken off because of outside interference and stuff like that. So At the same time, I also just wanted to be careful. So it was all of these things together. And um, the thing is, my family wouldn't have been able to make it because I think my one brother had an exam or something like that. And then my holiday was very, very short. I had to go back to work. I think after that weekend, I had to go back to work. So it needed to be done kind of quick. Yeah, yeah. And I I get you when you said that because this was like you in your mind this was the one right so why Mm. wait for longer exactly and um, with me as well to be honest um when I had met my husband I kind of at that like from that meeting I kind of gauged that okay maybe you know I I this is the one and I want to go ahead with it but obviously you know I had to wait for my family to come on board because like I said you know initially my mom and them they weren't too happy with you know me being so young and getting married etc so that's why I had to give it time otherwise if I didn't have that I would literally I think I would also go ahead with it like how you Mm. did it Mm. and um you know just do it there and then because even that like the weight between you know being sort of in engaged in a way mm. uh to mm. the actual nikah is kind of like a pain because mm. you're not like you know that this is the one and the technically in your head it's like you're already like oh my gosh this is going to be my husband etc and then, and it's but then extra you can't really... added stress yeah exactly and then it mm. just brings a whole level of uncertainty you know like you said mm. you you get worried about you know people interfering and then things breaking off etc and yeah i, I totally understand mm. Mm. um but then again, people have this this idea that, you know what, if we 
are engaged, for example, then we can like talk and get to know each other more because now we technically know that, you know, this is the one. So, and, and then if there's any red flags per se, then we can, you know, be aware or like kind of break it off if need be. But then what would you say to that? Because I feel like that's just a waste because you're investing all this energy into someone and, you know, this idea of marrying this person. And then all of a sudden it's like, that thing could potentially break off? Mm, I think, you know, the world is fast changing, but my personal opinion is that I believe it's quite sinful um, because you know you're going to get married to this person. So then you start having lower boundaries and you start, mm. um, your limits become lower. And shaitan is definitely the third. So yeah. why would you why would you allow for that? Why would you allow all the barakah to go? I'm just for me like I'm dead against it, and I do believe that you know f- f- to have that much interaction. I mean like where I come from, the girl and the guy are allowed to be engaged and they're allowed to date and they're allowed to go shop wedding shopping together and everything, right? Together like maybe in one car or what whatever it is, but they're not allowed to do their nikah. Like, I, I just find that it so crazy. silly. Yeah. I just find it extremely silly. And I've actually brought it up with some of the elders in my family. And the arguments are always baseless. And the thing is, though, like, I don't want to argue with my elders either. So I just leave it. But, I mean, I just think it's quite silly. Yeah, it's a really cultural thing. And you know what it is? If, for example, a person, let's say, they want to have, you know, a wedding where everyone can make it etc then what they should instead mm. do is for example have the nikah and then maybe in mm. a couple of months time have the walima where the, everyone can yeah, be invited like you know what i mean because mm. as it yeah. is the nikah is literally just the contract and there's just going to be you know witnesses involved and stuff there's not not everyone needs to attend that and you know yeah see it's that. not even 10 minutes long yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. so um yeah, and uh, you know what? Here in uh, Saudi, um, what they do is that they have, for example, they have the nikah, right? And then mm-hmm. they have like this period between the nikah and the walima kind of a thing. Let's say how ma- however long okay. the couple chooses. So if they choose like a okay. couple of months or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then they literally, like the couple, they can sit and talk and whatever because now they're married mm-hmm. basically. But mm-hmm. they can't mm-hmm. go out together or like yeah yeah sleep over at each other's Mm. house or whatever and it's just like uh okay maybe the family is kind of worried for an a pregnancy or something but the truth is that they married like they can technically do whatever they want exactly exactly and the thing is like even if there was a pregnancy it's not even wrong exactly so the irony the yeah, yeah. irony is that mm. the people, like a lot of the people in the West, they have an engagement mm. and then, so they're not mm. even halal and then, they, and they still do mm. things that acting like is yes. halal. Yes, yes, And yes. in here, they are, they are halal, but they act like they're not that halal. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, 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 it is rather ridiculous. Um, but I think that these changes will only come about if we play a part in the change. Yeah. Like, you know how they say, be the change you want to see, like for us to be able to have that, like, this is one thing that I absolutely love about my in-laws that they were accommodating enough 
for me to have my nikah like literally two days later or was it even the next day I can't remember now and they were accommodating enough to allow us to spend that time together and then I did go back to London and then I came back I think five five six months later I can't remember now so like they were accommodating enough so they were the change so they made a difference and that's definitely something that I really do like admire about them yeah and now because you made a a different decision right it's going to mm-hmm. now impact for example your children if you um were to give them advice inshallah. or whatever you know and then yeah, yeah, yeah inshallah and then for generation after so it just starts from one person taking that stance and i feel like especially in marriage and you know weddings and stuff where there's so much mm. cultural baggage that comes along um mm. you know if a person chooses to stand uh, you know stand up to that and like stick to their principles and try and follow it as islamically mm. as possible you know what is um the the right way islamically not exactly culturally then mm-hmm. they they are basically even though at that time they might not be viewed as you know the the best person or like uh, what they did was a very good thing you know they might mm-hmm. not be viewed as such but generations to come they would have made that mm. difference you know i mean and do you know what eventually family get over it because at the end of the day yeah. you have this deep relationship where i mean i can't say that everyone was happy about it um people did have a lot of things to say uh, the thing is all that mattered was my mom and my dad and uh, as long as they were on the same page and they were happy with it i wasn't too bothered about the relatives but there were relatives um that were not happy about it and they did have a lot to say um however they get over it you you just need a little bit of time and with time they get over it they were just maybe in shock or upset at the time or i don't know they had different emotions but like now when i think back those same relatives that said things i have a really good relationship relationship with them alhamdulillah yeah that's that's uh, really nice actually um mm. even with me personally as well there were relatives who had a lot to say and stuff and then like i said mm. it's mm. i know that it's my life and at the end of the day mm. i'm going to whatever decision i make i'm going mm. to have to bear the consequences of it not them you know what i mean mm. so they might mm. force me 100%. into doing something that they like but then they're not going to be sitting mm. with the consequences it's going to be me right mm. Mm. uh yeah So now you said that the nikah took place like one or two days later. Mm-hmm. Uh and how was that like meaning was it uh, did you because now remember you were just with your dad and then you had all your in-laws mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah did they have yeah, so, uh, a party afterwards or what Yeah it was like really simple so um we had the wedding uh, so the nikah Nikah took place at the masjid and uh, the masjid it um provides it has a lovely ladies section as well it's big enough for enough people maybe like 100 even more um so it was we were able to cater for women on the women section and then men in the men section and then after that um we had a meal at um like a restaurant kind of place um and then that was that like it was just me and my dad so it was just all my in-laws mm-hmm. and i think maybe one or two of his friends i'm not sure i don't remember um and my father and i and uh, it was yeah it was that simple and then the next day there was a walima even that i wasn't expecting it it was just random like my mother-in-law called i think and she was like oh there's a walima today because we had 
I think we hadn't discussed that we're going to have a Walima in person. We were going to distribute the meat or something like that. But mm. anyway, and then, uh, yeah, so then we had that. Um, uh, yeah, that was it. Really, honestly, there was just nothing to my wedding. That is how simple it was. It was just so uncomplicated yeah. and effortless that I, I don't even so know about- so much of it. What about, you know, how brides, they care about the dress and what they're going to wear and all that stuff. So tell us, what did you wear? How was it planned? Oh, so my uncle-in-law who, uh, who, who initiated, not initiated, sorry, who delivered the, the nikah, who did the salmon and uh, did the nikah and everything. He was actually um, quite comical about it because he said to me that you've come without like a wedding dress. So like, you know how do you feel about that and I think I said something like I think my husband was in the room whilst we were talking but he was like we were not inside of each other like on my side or behind me or something like that so I think I put my hand up and I was like well if he's okay with it fine or something I said something quite funny back I just I don't remember it's all really really vague but it was funny because I remember him really laughing about it and then I had said like you know I didn't say this to him but in my mind I was thinking that why do you have to have a wedding dress on your wedding day like yes it's lovely to have that and you know um of course you know you do want to look your best which of course I did want to look my best but that doesn't equate to being in a gown that is worth five six thousand pounds I think that that's just to be honest I think that even comes from the girl I just was I'm just not such a girly girly girl where like I needed to have like the white dress that was worth that many thousands or whatever but at the same time of course you do want to look good so you do find something that's appropriate and decent yeah that's nice do you know with me personally so um what Mm -hmm. happened with my like dress is that Mm -hmm. um so me and my sister were kind of going to get married at around the same time and so she was like you know looking for her dress and then I was um of course thinking about what I was going to wear but um mm-hmm. I just found it so like what's the word like pathetic in a way like how could a person spend so much on a gown that you know because a wedding dress you can't really wear it again at somebody else's occasion do you get me or mm-hmm. somebody else's wedding yeah. you know what I mean yeah so I just kind of find it a little bit uh extravagant in a way for me personally anyways is that Mm. how can a person spend uh you know however much on on a gown that is technically going to be worn once unless of course you know you're planning Mm. to rent it out or give it away that's a different story but for me personally I was just like okay Mm. yeah Mm. uh so I was just like you know what I don't really know what I'm going to do but I'll figure it out closer to the time and then what happened subhanallah was uh, this is also very unconventional. So a couple of months before I was going to get married, one of my friends was getting married and um, her her wedding was really nice and it was, uh, you know, simple as well. And she had, she had a nice wedding gown on, right? And I really liked the way it looked on her and everything. Like it was really good, right? Um, and then I thought to myself, you know what? I, I didn't actually ask her for to borrow the wedding dress but what happened was I was having a conversation with her this was like after now going maybe a month after she got married or something like that and we were talking about you know um 
her dress and how it was really nice and everything. And she goes to me, she herself offered, she said, Oh, you know, if you want to borrow it, like I can give it to you. And I was like, um, would you be okay with that? Cause I know, you know, sometimes wedding, the, your wedding dress turns into something really sentimental and stuff, but mm. she was really like generous with it and really kind about it. So she actually gave me her wedding gown to borrow and it was so selfless and kind of her. And subhanAllah, I thought to myself, you know, like you said in the beginning that, you know, sometimes you have an intention inside and Allah knows that that's your intention. And then he facilitates a way to make it happen. So with me, for example, I, I had that intention where I just didn't feel right to spend all this money on a wedding gown. And here I was being offered by my friend, like to use the wedding dress, which I actually liked on her. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. And so, yeah, that's um, how I got my uh, wedding gown you could say and i used it for the day and then i basically Mm. sent it back uh to her so yeah Mm. yeah and like the ironic thing with me is that um one a couple of my relatives they know uh people in the bridal industry really well people who sell bridal gowns and things like that and i could have gotten a really good discount um you know had i decided to purchase one but I just wasn't interested. Um, so yeah, I think I think it just depends on what you're like and also what your family is like. Because some people they get pressure from their family, you know, their mom, their dad, their relatives, their siblings. And I didn't really have that kind of pressure. So I was really just left to do things however I wanted. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Yeah, and I feel like the less you succumb to people's pressure when it comes to the actual wedding and, you know, the initial mm. stages of getting married, you'll actually mm. find that the the more peace you'll have in your actual marriage, mm. so the pressure doesn't stop. Like, there's just one mm. thing after another. Mm. And so, yeah, when you find yourself getting pressured when you're in the marriage, then you can have that strength to, you know, stick up for yourself and go with what you feel is best. I I do, I do see where you're coming from. Um, I agree with you in, in many ways, but at the same time, I do feel that sometimes there are some pressures that you are just going to have to give into to keep the peace. And if it's not going against the religion, I think, you know, it's okay to go ahead because some culture, if, if it's not going against the religion, it's okay. Like me personally, I wouldn't go for it. But like when I do have a lot of girls um, that do tell me that, you know, I'm going through X, Y, Z and ABC. And I always tell them that, you know, you can't be so, so difficult about it either. You know, you've, you, you've, you've got to kind of meet halfway. So I think it's also important that, yes, you shouldn't succumb to the pressure. But at the same time, don't be um, so adamant that you want something a certain way either just try to be as easygoing as you can as well yeah yeah I I would agree as well um so yeah and then when it came to my actual wedding so what happened Mm -hmm. was um we because my husband was already here in in Medina and we were he was already studying Mm -hmm. here and his parents were going to come for Umrah in um in the April holidays anyways. And so we thought, you know what, we'll just go for Umrah and then do the nikah there. Because what happened was, um, I was going to move here anyways, after I got married. Right. So Mm. we were like, we might as well do the nikah. It was a suitable place for everyone to, meaning his parents, my parents, you know, to all meet up. Cause I guess not everyone could come to the UK or, you know, 
So alhamdulillah, I worked out and yes. um, we had, we had the, uh, you could say the nikah, like on one of the days we agreed that, okay, on this date, we're going to have the nikah after Asr. So it was like a really simple thing because, you know, the, it's mainly just a contract. Like you said, it doesn't even last more than 10 minutes. I would mm. say even like five minutes. Yeah. So no, so talk me through how it happened. Cause actually I don't think we've ever had this conversation. So it can be for the viewers and it can be for me as well. So like you got to Saudi at to, to Medina, you said, so, so the function yeah. took place in Medina. Okay. Yeah. And then, so, so you were with your family and uh, yeah. his family was also arriving. So did you guys now meet before that one more time or like it was already just, it was just going to happen now. You guys were just going to get married. Oh no. Yeah. Well, um, we did meet, uh, one more time mm-hmm. because I think it was, we arrived and then it was going to be like two few days later. So, okay. um, yeah, so we did meet and there were, what happened was, so my dad, he, uh, the hotel that we were staying at, he knew the managers mm-hmm. and stuff. So he basically called them up and asked them if they had like, you know, usually hotels have like a, um, what's it called those conference halls mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so um yeah so he asked the manager if they have like conference hall or whatever so the manager said that you know what we can do um one of the floors where they have a restaurant uh, we can make that into like a mini hall if you like meaning we can just vacate that for you and um mm-hmm. on i think they had another floor another restaurant so they said that we can make so one could be for the women and one could be for the men so So, so you had a segregated yeah so you had a segregated function right yeah yeah it was completely like the men on one Mm. floor and the women on another floor yeah alhamdulillah okay alhamdulillah yeah so if it worked out quite well so what happened was we agreed okay on this date then we'll have the nikah after asr and then the walima you know kind of after maghrib after isha sorry so um yeah after asr basically we uh the men had gone to the masjid right masjid and nabawi to uh you know kind of conduct the nikah so i wasn't actually there um and yeah i think they must have done a, a quick thing in the masjid because as you know you know in masjid and nabawi you can't really have you know big gatherings unless you have to be yes. like you know whatever legally you know have the paperwork so they had like mm-hmm. a quick thing and i think there were my my husband's couple of friends and uh cousins and yeah my my pet my dad and his dad and yeah basically it was like mm. quite um quite immediate you know the family and everything that were involved mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. uh yeah and alhamdulillah you know what everything really worked out and i feel like it's goes back to intentions, like how you want to approach, mm. you know, your wedding and all that. And I mm. never, ever wanted like a really f- fancy wedding. Cause the thing is when I was younger, I had been to, um, weddings in the family that were massive. Like they were huge. There was like a whole, um, wedding hall and the stage was so, you know, amazing. And they had the wedding had, for example, I mean, sorry, the the family had either hired a um a band to like i guess to p- 
have their own music or whatever live music or whatever which obviously yes, we didn't yes yes yeah, yeah yeah we didn't stay for that but we, you know we saw that that was happening and then at one wedding we went to they actually hired uh kind of like a magician to to entertain the kids it was just next level like we had been to such lavish weddings that for me personally yes. i just saw all that and i just was like over it you know what i mean i had been there done mm. that got over that experience and i didn't yeah. really want that and for also, myself and also like when you're sitting amongst relatives or you're at weddings that are this lavish you always hear somebody or the other find something negative to say anyway so yeah. so like they 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 spent like what 50 60000 pounds i mean it's probably more today um on these weddings and and for what really and uh, even i think even as a bride like are you okay to have that kind of attention as well like for me that is something i was dead against like like i wanted to be on a stage or be sitting be sitting secluded to everybody else uh, i just yeah. i just cannot stand that kind of attention it's just sickening i i really can't like even today i just do not like that kind of attention so for me it yeah. was like i definitely do not want that so i was really glad but looking back do you have any regrets so what like happened if you was could do things differently or if you could do things differently would you do would you make a few tweaks or changes here and there had you done it again Yeah so um here's the thing right so I, I never mentioned that after Isha basically we had mm-hmm. uh, you know the walima which was um basically my immediate family so my parents and when I say immediate there wasn't even like cousins involved well besides my immediate cousins like my first cousins a few of them that were able to make it um and then i think my husband had a couple of friends here who obviously their wives they were also here in medina so we just he had he just invited his friends with their families so the wives would also yeah. you know attend and mm-hmm. i think my mother-in-law invited you know a couple of people that she knew that were already there um for umrah anyways so um mm-hmm. and they were her, her relatives and stuff so yeah so we just had i i would say women wise we had about um maybe 30 people uh, i'd say max mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. for the men uh, i guess my husband had his friends and then my dad has his friends and the, you know men have <laughs> i don't know a lot more connections and then so mm-hmm. they had quite a few i think they had about 100 people men okay. um in the yeah. other floor yeah mm. so um yeah but it was still was, it was still significantly small compared to yeah, obviously yeah, what other people was, have yeah yeah mm. and um subhanallah what happened was one of my husband's uh, friends um he, his wife is like a, a makeup artist so she offered me like she told me if you want like i can do you know your makeup for you and all that and i was like you know why not like it's my day to kind of you know spoil myself in this and whatever so i was yeah. like yeah that's that's mm. fine so um she came down and then she did my makeup and whatever and then after that uh i was going to the wedding the hall like it was on the same floor that my room mm. was my hotel room uh so i just mm. had to walk down the corridor basically um mm-hmm. and yeah then i got to the to the hall which was kind of like like I told you to the restaurant of the hotel yes and mm. uh we just had a couple of 
a couple of people, like I said, and yeah, I met them all. And, oh, we had a, um, a policy because I was really paranoid, right. About taking pictures. Cause obviously I'm in all, like I, I was wearing my hijab, like my scarf, but I was obviously yes, you know, yes. in all of my beauty and stuff. So I didn't really you want show any me pictures you know, one day. I've actually <laughs> never seen you. I've actually never seen pictures of when you got married. So inshallah, next time we see each other when COVID is over, I'd you know like what? To... I need to, I need to tell you about that as well. Just, just give me a minute. So okay. I, I, cause I was really like paranoid about that. Uh, I wanted to make sure mm-hmm. that it was, you know, I was comf- comfortable. So I made sure that mm-hmm. they had a no phone policy. So <laughs> my sister, she's so sweet. Bless her. She, oh, wow. Uh, she actually stood there at the entrance and everyone, as they came, they put their phones. And to be honest, in Saudi wow. culture, it, yes, yes. I know, right? In Saudi culture, it's actually normal because what happens if when you go to the wedding hall, um, then th- obviously the women, they take off uh, all their abaya and even their scarf and everything. Yes. So yes, yes. they do hand in their phones at the entrance as well. So it wasn't that, mm-hmm. um, you know, weird because we were in Saudi mm-hmm. as well. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But um, yes, yes. Yeah, so she she managed to, you know, get everyone's phone. So I felt really comfortable when I walked in and I was like, I could, you know, be around uh, people without having that fear. Yes, um, yes. And yeah, so after that, uh, like we sat for a bit and then there was a buffet style of, uh, you know, the food and stuff. And then we yeah. we ate and then there wasn't really, see, the thing with mine is that, it was small, number one. And number two is that there wasn't much going on. Like it wasn't, you know how the people have dancing and like, you know, nasheeds or music, or whatever. Playing, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So with me, it w- really wasn't any of that. Um, mm. so, so I guess it was just like me coming in, uh, meeting the people, eating, that kind of a thing. And that's it. After yes. that, like I, I kind of went, um, with like I think it was about forgot now what exact time but we had sat for a while and ate and everything and then after that I was one of the first to get up and leave and go to like me and my husband we left to come to my apartment because we had my husband had already had the apartment ready for uh for me alhamdulillah Mm. yeah so now you were talking about regrets basically now when I you know when I think of it I, I don't really like to have, you know, regrets because obviously everything was planned by, you know, Allah ultimately. Allah, yeah. But, but if there's anything that I would um, kind of advise others is that first and foremost, like, so I obviously had to have my wedding in um, Saudi because, you know, it just was very convenient for whoever needed to attend, like the immediate people. Um, but mm-hmm. I would have liked to, I did have kind of a you could say like uh invitation where I invited my friends and stuff when I was in the UK and we um you know sat chills and it was kind of like my pre-wedding sort of party but not like you know not not that how people expect a party to be you know what I mean yes so I did like kind of have my friends around and that but I wish now that I had maybe had something in the UK proper, like where I could invite my friends and they could, we could all like dress up and, you know, uh, yeah, it could be kind yeah, of a yeah. function. Okay. And then also yeah. I would say in terms of, um, 
in terms of like the actual wedding, right? It was yes. um, pretty like dull, you could say. Like there wasn't any nasheeds or, you know, as you said, the speeches or anything. And I feel like that kind of adds a touch to, you know, the happiness and whatever the happy vibes. So maybe mm-hmm. I could have added that. Mm-hmm. And one last thing is uh, I didn't take like, okay, I did take some pictures uh, which were just mm-hmm. technically like selfie type. It wasn't actual, you know how like with, yes, the, yes. with the bride, with the groom or with the the parents and stuff like that. So I don't have oh. any official pictures, you know what I mean? So that's why when people ask yes. me to show me, to show them pictures of my wedding, I don't have those. And I feel kind of bad because I'm like, that was a really, you yeah. know, momentous day of my life. And I don't yes, really have yes. it's nice to look back yeah in fact um uh we were supposed to be discussing like you know later on in the marriage when you go through issues and stuff and in in my uh, notes I had actually mentioned that you should go back and look at pictures of the past and reminisce about yeah. how happy you were then because it will really just increase that mercy for yeah. yeah yeah for for whatever it is that you're going through in the marriage but we'll get to that later inshallah so um yeah. so apart from that there was so so yeah it was kind of small things that you would have tweaked slightly yeah yeah that was the yeah that was oh and then, yeah, and yeah. then about the the makeup i mean i don't get me wrong i, I oh, yes. really liked it and stuff but i just feel mm-hmm. like um and it was a nice one-off experience but i feel like maybe okay. if i had gone a bit simpler with the with the style instead of like because I wanted to look like you know how the brides look on the picture but then the reason why they look a certain way on the picture is because their face is so heavily done up you know what I mean yes yes the makeup is really strong yeah yeah, it's very heavy yes yes yeah and it was like you know I only because the thing is after we came to the apartment and stuff and obviously I need to take off all the makeup and it, it took me like a lot of you know um Wet cotton wipes. wool and a lot of yeah a lot of um wet wipes and everything to get it off and then I was like oh next time mm. I definitely won't do this again <laughs> yeah inshallah they won't need to be a next time but yeah no what I mean is that in a next occasion like you know any other occasion. oh okay I see yes yes oh okay okay yeah yeah um all right yeah, what yeah. about you is there me- anything yeah Go on. With what me, about you? Is there anything that you would like to tweak or yeah, change? There definitely aren't any regrets. None at all. It's something that I'm like really proud of. And like sometimes when I meet a new person and they ask me, I'm all ready to tell them like, you know, this is how I got married because I'm really proud of it. Um, but at the same time, I think if there was one thing both my husband and I could change, I think it would be to have all of our family present. So like our siblings and our parents. Um, apart from that, I don't think that I was too bothered about anything else. Um, because when I did go back to London, uh, before I left to move to uh, where my husband lives in Southern Africa, I had uh, I had a nice party and it was, uh, you know, with all my relatives, my mum's friends, my dad's friends, uh, their relatives, uh, my friends, colleagues, acquaintances, um, you know, we had had we had a do and it was yeah it was um oh that's nice it was memorable unfortunately the groom wasn't there yeah. but i mean <laughs> the circumstances didn't permit um yeah yeah circumstances didn't permit 
So, yeah. I mean, yeah, that was that. But, yeah, I have no regrets. What about in terms of pictures? Did you... What about yeah, in terms so of pictures? Actually, so on the day of Nikah, I'd say, like, yeah, I don't, I didn't have professional pictures taken. So, like, we don't have so many nice pictures from then. But um, when we had, like, a post-wedding a party when I moved here, I have some nice pictures from there, really, really lovely ones. So I'm really glad that I have those. And then when I was in London, I, I haven't seen those, so you have to show me those. Yeah, yeah, they're on my iPad, inshallah. I'll show you next time we meet. And then uh um thingy. No, and then for my uh for my uh for my kind of like leaving do whatever you want to call it that was in London, that was really nice. Like even the cake and just everything from a to z was really really stunning mashallah and like a lot of the effort was put oh. in by my friends it was mostly my friends oh, that nice. had put in all the effort actually yeah yeah yeah. they were really really helpful like even my father was like oh wow you know they were so helpful um but yeah so like we had i actually had a friend of a friend who is really good at um photography it's like more like a freelance job that she does on the side so she yeah. took professional pictures there and I, I'm so so grateful for them because then I've got all these lovely pictures to look back to yeah yeah that's really yeah. nice mashallah uh you know I was ma mentioning about the pictures and stuff of course like I, I wouldn't have wanted um you know how they have these professional uh, photographers and I've seen a lot of um, photo albums where they kind of make you pause and do like, you know, things for the, yes, for the yes. picture. I wouldn't have liked yeah, that. I I, I, I'm those. just talking about yeah, like, yeah. for example, getting a family yeah. member to take, you know, some nice pictures. That's Memories. all. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 As opposed yeah, to like yeah. selfies, no, you know definitely. what I mean? Selfies, I mean, you can't really see much about what you're wearing. And it's not the same. The yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I'm not a fan of selfies. Like, you know, I think, yeah, I think the real picture, like it needs to be a proper picture, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so now uh, the wedding is over. <laughs> Alhamdulillah, we have mm -hmm. passed that stage. Alhamdulillah, yeah. So, um What's next? So you said that at this point, you did you stay over for a couple of days after the nikah? Were you together? And yeah, so so yeah, Subhanallah. So what had happened is um, the plan was that I was going to stay for three days. Um, so like we were going to have our meeting and everything, and then we were going to leave. But actually, because we ended up getting married, my uncle-in-law managed to change our tickets such that I extended my stay until literally I think the day before I went back to London the day before I needed to go back to work or something like that so oh, nice. instead of staying for three days um we end up stay spending time together for about a week so that was nice yeah oh lovely um, so what about you yeah in the, so the the week that you stayed together was it um what was it at home or did you go somewhere travel somewhere yeah so of course um uh I wanted to kind of see the place that I'm going to be living in and uh, yeah. obviously even my husband wanted that you know we kind of I kind of explore. you know see what, what I'm going to yeah explore so my sister-in-law had taken me to a few places just you know so I can experience but the thing is do you know when you're on holiday it's very very different to when you live there and this was my point to my father and even my husband, well, fiance at the time, can you can say my point to them that 
you can tell me to come and see the country, but I'm on holiday. So of course I'm going to love it. Who doesn't love it when they go on holiday? But like to live mm. there is different. And I remember asking him something like, um, are there traffic lights on your side of the world? Or so, I can't remember what I had to do. You know what? I've actually not been to Africa. I'd been to Europe, Asia, the Middle East or whatever, but I'd actually not been to Africa. It was still on my list and I hadn't been there yet. And do you know, like what we see on television okay, is a little bit different to, or in, is a little bit different to how life really is here. And I think that my question was very fair because where I live right now, many times the traffic lights are not working or they're broken or, you know, it, it, it really is chaotic. I mean, people have died. Um, yeah. It's like, I think my question was really fair at the time, but like, it doesn't stop my husband from poking fun at me. And, you know, like, it's something that he definitely wants to tell people. Oh, she asked me, are there traffic lights? You know, but I think, yeah, that, yeah we're, we're, like now I can really like come, like I have a comeback because I'm like, yeah, but look at your country. That Look at the traffic lights don't even function. But yeah, at the time it was like, it was just something to poke fun at, you know, with. So, yeah, I mean, we saw the place and everything. Um, we were put up at a hotel because you see living arrangements hadn't been sorted out. Um, hmm, because it was yeah. so sudden so quick and whatever so like we were put up at a hotel by our family and uh so we just uh spent time together like that and then we'd come like uh to the f to, to the family home for meals and things like that or sometimes we'd go to restaurants it just really depended on the day on the course of the day and what we were doing that day oh that's really nice uh so at least you had that time to spend that quality one-on-one -on -one time and i feel like that especially yeah. you know in the beginning is so important so important definitely agree yeah yeah i honestly don't know how people do it when you know they get married and then they move into with their husband and then it's like okay maybe one or two nights they'll spend at a hotel or whatever but then they'll move in with their husband and his family and everything and it's just like yes yeah, um, yeah, yeah. a little bit too much but uh as for me like i said you know i my husband had already pre prepared the apartment and um, alhamdulillah, like I was really blessed in a sense that um, because my mother-in-law and them were already here before I even arrived. So they had like helped to, you know, clean out the apartment and, um, you know, to put everything in place. And so, but to be honest, in my head, I had this idea because I, I didn't know what to expect. And I thought, oh, if he is going to be like, you know, by himself sorting these things out, you know, there's not really going to be mm. much in place. So I assumed that I was going to have to come in and like, you know, uh, get a lot of Do the appliances and everything. But um, when I came in, I was really pleasantly surprised because the whole like um, bedroom was already like there was a bed and there was everything there. Like, so I didn't need to, you know, worry about getting any of the furniture in that sense. And then even in the kitchen, there were so many appliances and the fridge freezer were already full of things. Like I literally mashallah, felt like, mashallah. yeah, I felt like a wow. princess. Alhamdulillah. And I'm, I'm really grateful to, you know, my husband my so that for making it yeah, yeah, so comfortable from, you know, from the get go. Yeah, so yeah. 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 That's really nice. Yeah. Definitely. Alhamdulillah for those blessings. Yeah, so we didn't really need to stay at, you know, a, a hotel or anything. Um, it was so funny mm -hmm. because one of my friends just recently, she asked me, oh, um, so when you got married, like, 
did you uh, stay at a hotel and like you know because I think it's the norm that they expect that when you get married you gotta like stay the wedding night or whatever at the hotel and but that's because I don't know people uh yeah I think that's because so many people are living in joint family households so there's never Mm. any privacy which is why families put them up at hotels or the husband does whatever. And also, um, so many times people go on holiday, they go for their, what do you call it, the honeymoon, honeymoon straight away. So um, that's why, you know, people just have this ideology that, you know, it's going to be a hotel and whatever. But if you look at um, like Caucasian culture, they don't always go to hotels. I mean, I have some Caucasian friends that are like non-Muslims and stuff. And a lot of the times they have had their own houses or their own apartments. And it's just been um, just, they've just made it really pretty. So um, it's, I think it's more, maybe it's more of a thing amongst the Indo-Pak Arab culture. I don't know, but uh there are other people that do actually just have their apartments um, done up nicely and stuff. It's not always a hotel, like how it is with our culture. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, actually, that's a fair point there. Uh, you know, I, on talking about, like, apartments and that, so a lot of my Arab mm. friends, they have this agreement mm. with the with the man beforehand where it's okay. like they have to get them an apartment that is yes. literally fully furnished and yes, yes. I'm, uh, I'm like wow like that's really amazing like for me okay alhamdulillah my circumstances were that I was coming here and I was moving but I'm sure if I was like in the same country that he originally is from then I don't think I would have mm-hmm. you know everything that way you know what I mean uh yeah and the fact that these I people, think if we can yeah if we can just pause there and like discuss this like in our culture, there is this thing that the girl has to furnish the whole house or something like that. I'm not 100% sure because I never had to do that. But there yeah. is something like that. And Islamically, there's nothing like that. The girl isn't really even yeah. supposed to s- spend a cent or a penny. So, like, I think to really kind of, I think to bring awareness to that, that quite frankly, you don't really need to do anything. It's all supposed to be done for you. In, in that yeah. in, in terms of living arrangements and things like that because you're giving up your life and you're moving into their house in into his house or, or his family house or whatever it is you're already making all these sacrifices now on top of that you've got to kind of work on a, work on the financial side of things as well so like yeah. really islamically speaking that's that's that, that's not even there so this is more of a cultural thing where it, i personally needs to be removed from from our culture or our society yeah yeah that is a really big misconception that you know a lot of people unfortunately um they're adopting the cultural uh habits so yeah it's definitely mm-hmm. nothing upon the female in fact the female gets you know everything like you said um is supposed to get everything that she needs and given to her mm-hmm. uh, and mm-hmm. on top of that we never mention about the mahar and she also gets that, oh, yes. not her giving mm. that, yeah? Mm. So mm. Um, before yeah. we actually move on, I wanted to mention about one or two points that we had briefly forgot, we forgot to mention, is that the mahar. So what did you um, decide on that? Like, because it's a woman's choice, right? How much ever they want to ask for. Yeah. So, um, so uh, 
what happened is uh so usually like uh, i heard that amongst a lot of families um the father or the brother or like the uncle they decide what she's going to get like they just speak on her behalf but i'm quite strong opinionated so i had told my father beforehand that like this is what i'd like so um my friends and i like we quite clued up like the islamic side of things and basically there's something called mahr fatimi and uh Later on, my uncle-in-law said that, you know, you don't necessarily have to want to request that and that kind of stuff. But at the time, it was working out to, I think, about nearly £800 or something like that. So when my uncle-in-law had said, no, that's not how it works. And like, you know, he didn't say that's not how it works, but he said that that's not necessarily something that you need to follow or something like that. So then later yeah. on, my dad just made it a whole round figure. And uh, it was more than the 800 pounds. But um, yeah, I mean, like, you know, I know there are people out there that demand like, uh, you know, thousands and thousands of pounds. And like the guy has to over years pay this over or like it's forgiven later on. And I just think, why would you do that? That's just so wrong. It's just so unethical. And then there are people that just ask for like 50 pounds or 100 pounds. And I think that's a little bit ridiculous as well. I think that with everything, there needs to be a middle path. And uh, I, I believe that I did take that middle path. So again, I'm what do you view the mahar as? What do you view it as like a gift or do you view it as, um, you know, something that you would m need to use later on in life? Or do you view it as, oh, if something went wrong, this is something that I can have for myself. What, what, what is that? What is it that you viewed it as? Um, to be honest, nothing, just an investment for me. It was just going to be like, okay, this money, I'm not going to touch it. I'm going to invest it so that I can multiply mm -hmm. it. Um, I didn't really, I didn't really have any thoughts like that, to be honest. What about you? Mm -hmm. So with me, I also like viewed it pretty much as, as I, I viewed it as a gift because I feel like oh, okay. this is something that, of course, you know, Islam has Allah has you know ordained it within Islam like it's not something that mm -hmm. you know we personally choose that oh we want a mahar do you know what I mean it's something that Allah has gifted yes, us with yes. so we take it as a gift do you know what I mean and yes the way I so the way I saw it was that I didn't want for example because my husband he's he was a he's a student right and you know yes you can't expect so much from a student right and I didn't want he, to give him an amount uh, to, to mention an amount that he would need help from his family or whatever to pay that off. You know what I mean? I wanted it something to come yeah. from him because I wanted that gift from him. You know what I mean? Yes, 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 yes. So, yeah, I think with me, I kind of was like, oh, um, looking at what he would be able to just provide, like give Afford, there and then yeah. you know, straight up without, mm -hmm. without going and working or finding means to get that money. And so mm. I just agreed on like literally the figure of, um, I think it was five, 500 pounds, something like that. So, because Which I think at the is time, really fair. yeah, because yeah. Yeah, at the time mm. um, I was, I remember I was asking my dad, you know, what, what do you think is a fair figure? And he said, you know, well, in the, in the community, this is what, you know, generally people ask for this, like roughly this much. And I thought to myself, you know what, uh, I think that is something that he would be able to just give me there and then. And yeah, mm. I, I, I didn't see it as, oh, you know, it's so little and I'm capable of asking for more. 
so why not take this opportunity and you know ask for more in instead i thought to myself you know inshallah this will be a sign that if he like if he if i'm able to be considerate of his you know background and his um state of uh, being a student and stuff then as we progress into the marriage then you know he will be able to accommodate for me and it's not like oh that's the only money he's ever going to give me in his life you know what i mean like yeah definitely into yeah, the marriage yeah. and stuff yeah yeah so I, yeah. you know what i think yeah i think that that's so amazing of you and 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 to and to be able to like be considerate enough and be like no i want something that he can afford rather than having like mom or dad kind of pay it or you know yeah. having cuz i think in our community especially um you know our families are really really helpful in that way and they're really accommodating when it comes to finances and alhamdulillah like we're really blessed like that i think both you and i and the thing is at the same time you don't ever want it to be you don't ever want to reach that stage of course hopefully that will never happen but you also don't want to ever reach that stage where somebody says well i did xyz for you and i did this for you and really it should have been really like your husband that should have been paying for it in the first place so i think to yeah just being considerate in that regards i think that was really really good of you mashallah oh thanks you know what i think um even with mahar is like taking into consideration uh you know the state of the man and also for example the 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 culture and the norm and whatever's going on in that community for example like in arabs they have like it's the norm they know that you know people ask for really you know high high mahar yes. and all that stuff when i was doing my arabic a levels of course my um my teacher my a level teacher she was a um she was an arab originally she's you know it's uh she was i can't remember what country she's from but she was an arab and i can't remember whether it was her nephew or her son or someone they had decided to marry someone from the indo pak culture and i still remember this so clearly because i was just like what 17 or 18 i can't like you know it was a level time and these words will never leave my mind and she had said um yes he's marrying i think it was a pakistani oh because they're cheap and i was so horrified i was absolutely disgusted that she had actually said that and you know like later on like we were having this discussion like my friends and i and like you know it's not such a nice thing to do but like you know just a bit of culture bashing where some cultures they really are demanding and they really can be quite difficult that's not to say you know the indo-pak culture is perfect it's really not it's got its own issues and they really need to be sorted out but in regards to mahar like i think that generally speaking that they, they, they're quite decent about it um and i do know that like yeah. in arab countries um men find it so hard to even like find a spouse because of how demanding they are in terms of what needs to be given to them financially so yeah i mean yeah it's 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 one of those cultural habits that are like just so unethical and should really just you know disappear with time inshallah yeah you know what it is now that you said that i'm just trying to figure out that it's so weird because it's like a cycle that they themselves are perpetuating by saying comments like that mm. because on the one hand they're yeah. complaining that oh you know look our sons can't even find anyone because all these women nowadays they're asking for this much money and whatever and then they yeah. themselves when they find someone who's actually decent and they just like oh yeah that person's cheap you know what i mean like where's yeah. the <laughs> where's what a disgusting talent? thing to say yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. i just so i had a friend will never leave my mind yeah yeah <laughs> 
I can imagine. You know, I had a friend, so she was about 26 years old. And um, I was mm-hmm. asking her, she was telling me, um, oh, you know, I'm, I'm looking to get married and stuff. And I said, oh, um, that's really good. And she said, no, for years I've been looking and everything. So I said, oh, so how come, you know, have you not found anyone? She's like, no, the thing is, you know, the, the men that are coming, basically, they can't um, afford the mara. And I was like, oh, what do you mean? So she's like, oh, my father's not going to let me go for any less than 10,000. She's like, because then he's like, oh, is my daughter that cheap that, you know, she's going to go mm-hmm. for that much? Mm-hmm. But that's the thing. Yeah. It's so weird because they're putting a price on the daughter yeah. but really the daughter is priceless mm. like you're actually degrading her and yeah. like insulting yeah, her exactly by putting a price 100 yeah why are you putting a price of like for example 20 grand like really exactly like you said where's your self-dignity where's your self-respect you think what you're saying is you think that you're trying to say that oh my daughter is worth a lot when really you're just doing the opposite it's it's really quite ridiculous yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm. and then I think, anyways, eventually, Alhamdulillah, she found someone who probably could oh, pay all up money. Yeah, but the yeah. amount that the the men have to go through, and I guess sometimes, you know, what people view it as, oh, yeah, it's good that they have to, you know, really work hard for it because then it shows us how much this man is, you know, going to work hard. But in re- in reality, here's the thing, right? Mm. The man may be working hard, you know, and putting in all that extra effort. Um, mm. but he could be building up resentment inside, you know what I mean? And like thinking, oh my gosh, yeah, what I've got myself yeah. into. Yeah, yeah. And you know, you want your marriage to be a peaceful place and you don't want, like, do you really want a husband that's always going to be worried about the financial side of things? Like already they know that it's their duty and their responsibility to provide. And then you're just putting that extra added pressure. What is that going to do to the foundation of your marriage? You know, is exactly. it really worth it? Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, so in terms mm-hmm. of the nikah, right, um, basically, you know, the whole topic of conditions, putting in conditions in the marriage contract, uh, yes. what do you have to say to that? I would love to know your thoughts. Okay. So, right. Now, me personally, I am kind of like a person that's like of verbal trust. So if someone's given me their word, um, I want to believe them. I want to start my marriage off where like I'm making him write things down and sign things because I felt like it's like you have trust issues from the beginning and I didn't want that kind of a marriage. However, having said that, my father did have a few concerns, which is why he was pushing me to have a second meeting. And he had actually said to me that, you know, you can make these conditions and you can write them down. And I was like, no, dad, no, I don't want to do that because I didn't want to come across demanding from the very beginning and we had already discussed everything and I felt like this guy is a God-fearing person. He's going to abide by the promises that he's kept and like the conversations that we've had. I believe him to be truthful. So, you know, why does now it have to be written down? Having said that, I wouldn't ever stop anyone or say to anyone, oh, don't do that. In fact, I'd probably encourage it because of the things that I have heard um, just the things that I've been exposed to and the things that I've heard of how marriages go sour. And it really yeah. is because a man is unable to keep his promise. It's really, really sad because once you're in a marriage, you're not going to break up just because he betrayed a promise. But then at the same time, um, it's a huge betrayal and it's very, very hard to kind of work through that. So I think, yeah, it's not something I did. I didn't, you know, I had verbal conditions, of course, and we had verbal agreements, 
but uh, there was nothing where we had written things down in, on paper. You tell me. With me personally, so mm-hmm. <laughs> I know that, you know, with the marriage contract, it is a written thing, right? So yes. um, if there is any conditions to be stipulated, um, personally, I would just want it to be written as well because the contract is written, you know what yes. I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. and yeah, like you said, you know, sometimes the thing is, sometimes what happens is that in fact, a lot of times nowadays, uh, people have, you know, their verbal promise and whatever. And then years down the line, we're talking like 20, 30 years down the line. It's like, Oh, I never said that. Where are you getting all that from? You know what I mean? Like at mm. least this way. Or sometimes they don't that. remember what they said. No, I think I think that's um, yeah. Sometimes they don't remember, but in ma- majority of the cases, it's kind of like you know because because it was kind of verbal. It's like easier to just make like as if it never happened. You know what I mean? Mm. Mm. And me personally, I just wanted things to be um, you know cleared from the get go. Like I know what you said Say about coming across as demanding, but. Yeah, uh, but to be honest, at this point, I'm just like, I'm getting myself into something so huge. Like, this is a lifetime commitment. You know what I mean? If something as small as me writing it down is seen as demanding, I mean, what then for the rest of the marriage? Like, I, it's a lifetime commitment. You know what I mean? I agree with you. In fact, I commend you for doing that because it takes guts and it was really brave of you to do that. So I definitely think like a pat on the back for doing so. Um, But I do know that like a lot of girls, they don't do it because they are scared of being demanding. With me, it wasn't only about being demanding though. Like with me, it really was that I want there to be able, I want us to be able to have this trust from the beginning. But having said that, I don't know, like Allah protect and hopefully I never ever have to, you know, go through it again. But I think if in the future I ever had through it again, I think I'd do what you did and I would have things in writing. Yeah. Yeah. And I totally get where you're coming from in terms of, you know, you want that verbal trust, but I go, I guess it's also, um, the mutual feelings between both the partners. Like for example, with me, I, of course, I didn't just, you know, write down conditions just out of my own head. I had a, you know, a conversation with my, my, um, husband beforehand, like, you know what I mean? And we had agreed. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I even, uh, so like I told him that, you know, what if I wanted to write these things down? And he was like, yeah, that's fine. Like, so he was okay with it. That's why I was like, okay Mm -hmm. with also writing it down. Yeah. That's good. At least they're okay with it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's also like a good sign the fact that they're okay with it because that proves that there's no red flags here. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's what, Mm. that actually made me trust him even more. The fact that he actually didn't mind it being Mm. written, you know what I mean? Mm. Yes. Yes. Uh, So yeah, in terms of like, to be honest, in terms of the actual um, uh, conditions, uh, I would say, I I don't know if you would be okay with uh, saying maybe some of yours. I'll say one of mine, um, one of my conditions that I had, well, it wasn't something that I stipulated as such, but it was something that we were both in agreement with. And that was that we were going to, um, we were going to live in a separate housing unit from day one, from day one, meaning the day of our marriage. Like there was never going to be a thing where like I have to spend a week or three months or six months or a year living with extended family members. That was one of my conditions. Mm. Uh, as for me, to be honest, I, um, I had, I didn't have actually many, uh, many, uh, 
conditions. The main one being the whole thing of, you know, not getting married again. And the reason okay. why I actually put that in was because um, mm -hmm. I, I had like a lot of stories that I had heard and come across where, you know, years and years down the line, it's like all of a sudden the man just goes and gets some another another wife and like basically the woman yeah, just yeah, has yeah. to put up with it kind of a thing so even though yes, i yes, actually yes. trusted my husband i but i did tell him i said look i it would be nice to have it you know written down and he was like yeah yeah that's fine if that's what puts your heart at ease then that's completely up to you mm -hmm. and then you know there was a the yeah. whole thing of oh is it even allowed for a woman to make this condition but then the yeah, thing so is what's, that your, what's your stance on that? Because there's two yeah, opinions, so, aren't there? Yeah, so first I did my research, like, to know, okay, is this actually allowed or not? Um, mm -hmm. And what I came, uh, what, what I, for me personally, what I found was that what made sense is that this um, is from the right of the husband. Like, so the husband mm -hmm. is is his right if he wants to get married again or not. And so if you, mm. if he's okay with you putting that condition, he, that's him giving up his right. And if he's okay to do that, then it's fine. And you're not making halal yes, yes. something which Allah has made halal because the man, it's his own right that Allah mm. has given him and he's giving up that right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, for me personally, I found that that was like the best, um, the best understanding. And, um, even my husband was the fact that my husband was, you know, okay with it as well. I mean, there wasn't really mm. much, you know, to say about that, but I know that I have friends who like, mashallah, they have literally written down like maybe six, seven conditions. And it's like proper, like, you know, um, yeah, proper ones. Like, for example, he can't prevent me from, uh, you know, traveling for example if i if i need if i want to go and visit my family or he can't prevent me from yeah. studying and stuff like that and to be honest yeah. it might seem very like basic because remember in the beginning everything is like all hunky-dory every it's all smiles it's all yeah. happiness it's all mm. like you know everything's perfect mm. and rosy but then that's where you have mm. to think long term you know like yeah. seriously yeah speaking, i agree this can happen mm. Mm. Because remember, once the man is no, married it's true. You, it's so true. Yeah, because yeah, once the man is married to you, technically now you are his. You know what I mean? He can decide one morning that oh, you know what? Even though yeah, I might have said that no, you, you can't. can study earlier, but you know what? I'd rather you look look after the children at home. So you know what? You stay at yeah. home. Then what? Then what's going to happen? Like yeah. yeah, you'll have arguments and try and bring mediators and that, but you don't have the actual written contract down to say that he actually agreed to this yeah yeah you know what the way i see it is yes i did do things differently but like i said if i was advising somebody of course i would look at the whole context and i'd con contextualize and everything right but like how you did or how your friends did and how they wrote things down because today we are hearing so many so many stories and do you know i i don't know if it was like this uh you know in our parents time but Today, our generation, it's all about his rights and her rights. And there's too much of this, like, the political side and, like, Islamically, I have this right and Islamically, she has this right. And I think to have things in writing is actually really important. And I think that if the man is truthful enough and if he's honest and trustworthy enough, he will be okay with you stipulating those things. 
And if yeah, he's not exactly. okay stipulating those things, then that's just a red flag in and of itself. So yes. I think that, yeah, once you're married, it's really, really difficult. So definitely write things down beforehand if that's what's going to put your heart at ease. And I actually don't think that there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And now to finish off this, I mean, we would have loved to go on to like the actual, um, you know, living together and stuff. But yeah. now I guess we will have to make yes, another yes. episode for that. We don't have time. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm sure the viewers don't mind, don't mind because like <laughs> this topic needs to be covered to some extent. And um, yeah, yeah, so there was, we were talking about two intimacy. hours was never going to do justice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. So what I wanted to ask you is, you know, Oh, Allahu Akbar. There, there are just so many issues when it comes to Muslims and intimacy. And I think like it's just, it really has affected many, many marriages as well. Um, mm. And what could have been an amazing marriage, um, it's been affected one that's intimacy. And I think that like, it's because the couple are not on the same page or like they may not have discussed something in advance, for example, something as simple as um, birth control. And I think that for, you know, for us to kind of let the viewers know, like, how does it really work in terms of intimacy in um, a Muslim marriage? Do you have to, is it compulsory to consummate the marriage um, as soon as like you get married? Or like, are you allowed to kind of take your time and get to know each other like what does it work what's the what's your advice islamically if you were now advising okay. a girl that was getting married yeah so you know growing up we had this um notion that we were fed by like you know i, I know my teachers you know and stuff they were like oh you know the walima happens um basically after so the the reason why there's a gap between the nikah and the walima is because the walima is supposed to happen after the nikah has been consummated and mm-hmm. I was like, uh, so growing up, I was like, okay, that's the idea that, you know, you're supposed to consummate the marriage, like maybe in, in first night or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you know what? The truth is that you don't have to like, and it, it, not everyone is like the same. So for example, you know, there are people that, yeah, maybe they'll feel comfortable enough to consummate the marriage, or whatever. And that's, you know, totally, totally fine. But yeah. if People are, you know, genuinely so at, you know, they're not yet at ease and they're just, you know, discomforted by the whole idea, you know, Mm. because remember, for some, it's not, it's not always the case that, oh, I have such a good, you know, relationship with this man and now I'm marrying him and, you know, everything's going to be fine. No, for some, Mm. it's literally the case of this man is a total stranger. Like, I still need to get to know him. You know what I mean? And remember, with intimacy, like they always say that for a, for a man, there doesn't need to be any trust. You know what I mean? Like for them, they yeah. can just get on with it. But for the woman, she needs to have a lot of emotional, tr- uh, just trust in general. And it takes a lot from her emotionally. I agree. Yes, so I agree. to think that, you know, you're just going to force this onto a woman, like on the first night, that's just hectic, man. And again, it's a whole cultural yeah. thing that comes along as well. Um, and there's nothing in the, in the Sharia in terms of actually, you know, saying that this needs to happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. The Prophet may Mm -hmm. have done it, you know, with his wives uh, at some point, like maybe early on or later or whatever, but that does not necessarily mean that that is what needs to be done. You know what I mean? Mm. Yes, yes, yes. Mm. And, um, 
you know, this is a hot topic amongst many, many cultures. And I think like even men have this notion um, that girl is supposed to like um, bleed when, when they're intimate for the first time. And it causes a lot of aggro amongst many marriages. And like, what do you have to say about that? Because it's, it's so disturbing that something like this is happening in the 21st century. But it's happening. I know. So, so really, that so, that so just like, goes to show, that just goes to show how unprepared and uneducated they are. You know what I mean? Because really, yeah, yeah. when you're looking at, you know, uh, when you know, for example, I'm going to get married and all that, you need mm. to both the man and the woman needs to like, you know, do their research. Like, is it the mm. fact that if a woman isn't, uh, I mean, if a woman is a virgin, for example, that she needs to bleed or that you know, a mm. certain thing needs to happen. Like, what is it? And then do your research and you'll find out, you know, that it's not, it's not the case. Right. Mm. Yes, and yes. Um, <sighs> relying on what the old wives tales and all those things are, it's not going to make anything easier for you in your marriage. You know what I mean? Mm. And um, I think, yeah, I think yeah. what would be really good is to like see your doctor or, or, or to just, um, see like a medical expert for this rather than like rather than talking to like friends or cousins or like relatives or like you know because you know what they're never gonna give you they can give you advice they're gonna give advice based on them and what they've heard but you know when you speak to a medical expert they're gonna give you the science as well as however many hundreds and thousands of patients they've had to deal with in the past they're going to give yeah. you a 360 explanation and of how things will work, you know, when you do choose to um, go ahead with this step of your life. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you know what? This is something that, of course, you know, us as Muslims, you know, we haven't explored uh, before marriage. So, like, it's something completely new uh, mm-hmm. to us, you know, when we get married, right? Yes, so there's bound yes. to be you know, a level of fear, a level of uncertainty, you know, what is this? Because ultimately, yes, you can get, you know, professional advice and everything. And that definitely helps to, you know, soothe your fears and stuff. But ultimately, you're never going to know unless you've yeah. actually been there. You know what I mean? So that's true. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I recently came across this condition that, you know, women have where they, it's so painful, like it's so painful that they cannot, you know, have it basically and i i was like subhanallah if women actually knew of these different conditions that people may have you know then they would be more in tune with the fact that so for example if a woman can't have that for example she now knows okay it's not that you know i'm just being silly about it there might actually be a condition to this you know what i mean which yes Yes, yes, yes. and Mm. so um yeah that definitely is an an area that needs to be more, you know, researched about prior to getting married um, Mm -hmm. so that you're aware. Because I think what the movies and what, you know, all this, what we're being like portrayed as is just, oh, you know, it's so easy and it's like, you know, it just happens and blah, 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 all this stuff. When in reality, it's real life here. It's not a fake movie that's just, you know, on what's the word, uh, put together by, you know, films, writers and all that stuff. Mm. Mm. And yeah, and you were talking about, like, for example, birth control. I feel like, okay, birth control is something that 
is really important that they discuss before the marriage. So to avoid, you know, yeah, any because they could be on a different page. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah. And even if, for example, they feel comfortable enough to discuss uh, things like maybe get to know that person's like, uh, you know, what they feel is the correct way in terms of intimacy as well. Like, for example, just asking a simple question like, oh, you know, um, so do you think that, like how you just asked me, do you think it's important that, you know, people consummate the marriage on the first night and stuff just to get an idea. And if, for yeah. example, if he yeah. says, oh, yeah, of course, you know, everyone does, then educating him about that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So even about birth control, it's doing really important. That. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it takes, yeah, it does take guts. But to be honest, I feel like I personally never did that. Um, it's got to be discussed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but I didn't either. looking back in hindsight, it's important. Mm. Um, yeah, and like, yeah, so you were saying about yeah. the birth control. I feel like that is definitely also another big thing to actually discuss before the marriage because, you know, it's, it really brings, imagine a child, you literally can't put that child back. You know what I mean? Like that child. Mm. is there to stay and if you haven't yeah. discussed this then you just go into it thinking you know yeah well you know I'll kind of discuss it beforehand uh, I mean in the actual marriage and stuff then what tends to happen is like maybe there's bitterness in terms of the husband feeling like oh the you know the wife probably doesn't trust me that she doesn't want to have children with me right now and stuff like that you know what I mean yeah mm. and you see sometimes like different people have different dreams so like some guys they want like a big family or some women they want a big family and lots of children whereas others are like no I have other I have other aspirations in my life and things like that so I do think it's important to kind of discuss that kind of stuff of course Allah is the best of planners and everything is not going to be as you discussed it but it's just important to have a conversation yeah, yeah. And with me personally, actually, I did bring it up with my husband before uh, before we got married. And I told him that, you know, personally, I'm, I'm really young right now and I, I'm not looking to have children within the next couple of years. What about you? And he said, like, that's fine as long as you're OK with that. And yeah, um, I yeah, don't think I said. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Even with we did have this conversation, but I don't think I said that I don't want to have children. I think I said, you see, my questions were very asking him and gauging whether I'm interested through his answers. So like, I would say that he I learned more about him than he probably learned about me. So I had asked him, I had said, you know, what are your thoughts on birth control or what are your thoughts on having children uh, after how many years in the marriage or immediately, or how many children do, do you wish to have? You know, those are the kinds of questions I asked him. And then I can't remember if he yeah. asked me back, but from there I knew that, okay, like, okay, good. We're on the same page. Mm, okay. Yeah. So that's yeah. another way of putting it as well. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's good to clarify these things. Cause remember when you're in the marriage, it's like, <laughs> there's so many factors to deal with. Cause remember, this is a completely new, um, new thing that you're now living with somebody that you know, is new to you and you haven't lived with them before, etc. So you have so many things, other things, which we will discuss in the next episode to deal with already. Like, for example, you know, the different habits and different ways of doing things and everything. Yeah, so imagine quirks. this, it's just added mm. pressure. Mm. So, yeah, yeah I and guess. After, um, yeah. And after you get married, you're not 
you can't throw away this marriage over small, small things like, like this. So it definitely does need to be discussed beforehand. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I would also um, like to add the experience of, you know, I have friends here in Saudi. So what they do is in Saudi, like, culture, I don't know whether it's in other Arab countries as well, but in Saudis especially, they actually get tested before they get married and that's to see like if they have any diseases present or if they have like yes, anemia yes, yeah. or like things like that and I was like oh mm. wow like first it sounded a bit cynical like oh my gosh why would you go and get a blood test to get married to somebody but then it makes sense when you actually marry it and makes you sense. realize oh okay so if this person let's say for example they are you know have a family history of a certain disease and stuff you know what I mean like yeah, you yeah, have yeah. to it doesn't necessarily mean you won't go ahead with the marriage, but at least you'll go ahead being fully aware that, you know what, this is what yeah. it is. But actually, you say that it sounds cynical, but in my in my interview, I say interview because I ask many, many questions, so I always laugh about it if it was an interview. <laughs> but I did ask um, my husband that, um, you know, do you have any sicknesses, mental or physical? We had, I had, those were, I'm, I'm quite sure those were my exact words because... I want to know whether you suffer a mental sickness or a physical sickness because I have a right to know. Because whether or not I choose to go ahead with it or not, at least I know. And there have been cases in the UK, look, I can't speak for other countries. Well, actually, no, I can speak for Southern Africa as well because I've heard stories where the guy or the girl, it's mostly the guy from, from the stories that I've heard. Of course, it's going to be biased because I'm a woman, so I hear more women, more stories from women. Um where they've said that the guy has lied about conditions that he has. And, you know, one of the most disturbing ones was when um, there was a girl who got married to a guy and he had multiple sclerosis or something like that. It was further down into the stage and he didn't even have long left to live or something. Like, to, to lie about something like that, like, that is serious. So for, for, for the Saudis to go ahead and, like, take these medical examinations and things like that, I, I'm so with them. Because mm. we live in a world full of lies and deceit and betrayal. You you, you want to know what you're getting yourself into. Yeah, yeah, totally. Mm. Yeah, anyway, so that's the end of um, this this chapter of actually getting married mm -hmm. and stuff. And inshallah, yes, yes. in the next episode, we'll go into um, more detail of the actual initial stages of marriage. But Jazakallah so much. It was really, really interesting. Um, and it was, I enjoyed it. So Jazakallah for having me on today. Uh, it's really a pleasure to have you and to speak so openly about these topics, which probably, you know, a lot of people will shy away from, but you know what? Everyone has to go through yeah, at yeah. one stage in life and yeah, they need to know these things. Cause I wish that I had known so many of these things beforehand. So yeah. yeah anyway, yeah. So hopefully we're helping some of our sisters. Yes, inshallah. That's the whole purpose that, you know, we can now look back on our experience and deduct, you know, lessons and uh, maybe tweaks that we would have made and stuff. And then, yeah, hopefully the sisters won't fall into the same mistakes. <laughs> okay, then um, do take care and inshallah, we will see you in the next episode. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. If you enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to head over to our Instagram page at Real Muslima Talk and join the conversation.